All right, look at you. You're here, you're dressed, you're awake. We don't need no stinking extra hour, right? <laughs> awesome, and all of you at home, in your pajamas, with your coffee, we're not mad at you. <laughs> all right, so I feel a little bit like, uh, do you remember that old show? I think it was called Romper Room. And she had this mirror, and she looks in, and I, that's the only thing I remember. She would look in this mirror, her magic mirror, I think she called it, and just say, I see, and she would say, start saying people's names. And I would just wait for her to say Bethany. I guarantee you never once in the history of that show did she ever say, I see Bethany. But I feel like that, like, I see Kim and Paul, I see Dan and John, Elizabeth, Nancy, I see you there, warm and comfy in your pajamas. I see Shauna and all the kids. I see Loop, stop distracting your siblings. <laughs> all right, so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Bethany Skrupa, and as Pastor Rich said, I am the teaching pastor here, and uh, my husband Dan is back here. He cheers me on from the back row. <laughs> Yeah, we actually, in a few weeks, we'll be celebrating our 19th wedding anniversary. Like, I, I, I don't know, but like next year's 20, and I'm like, that's for old people, right? <laughs> 20th anniversaries. That's for, I'm starting to feel a little old, but we have three kids. Zach is, he was on that camera. Libby's in the tech booth, and Grace is in heaven, and Chapel Youth Kids right now. But um, before we get started today, I have a question for you. Have you ever been deceived? Just raise your hand if you've ever been deceived. A few people, yeah. At some point in our lives, we all know we believed something was true that we found out was not true, right? So a few weeks ago, my youngest daughter lost one of her baby teeth. And every time my kids lose a baby tooth, I tell them all about back in my day, when I was your age, <laughs> my older sister who I trusted, she always told me, when you lose a tooth, if you don't ever put your tongue in the hole, your tooth will grow in gold. Has anybody heard that? I, I tried so hard every time to not put my tongue in there because, you know, I thought, it's probably not true, right? But maybe, what if it is? So I would try and try and try, and always eventually I would give in and stick my tongue in the hole where the missing tooth was, and I don't get upset. Now I'm never going to know. I'm never going to have a gold tooth. I'm never going to know if it's true or not. So I always tell my kids that story when they lose a tooth, and of course I ask them, do you think it's true? <laughs> maybe you should try and see what happens. And of course, they can never do it either. We always give in. But... You know, I believed something because I trusted my sister. I believed something was true that was definitely not true, right? Although, I don't know. Maybe you should try and see. <laughs> I've never been able to really test that, right? So, um, really in our lives, so that was somebody else telling me something that wasn't true. And I believed it, right? There are really three sources of deception that we can encounter. And one is other people. 
The Bible sometimes refers to this as the world. You know, there are other people whose minds have not been renewed by the word of God who tell us things that seem plausible, worldly philosophies that seem appealing, that are not true and can bring deception into our lives. That's one source. Another source we call the devil, right? So when we say the devil, you know, we think of one entity, Satan or Lucifer. But really when we, we say you can be deceived by the devil, we're talking about um, all, of, all of the spiritual enemies that we have, right? So in 1 Timothy 4.1 says that in later times that there will be some who depart from the faith. So followers of Christ, believers of Christ, who will depart from the faith and de devote themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. So the scripture warns us that there will, be, there will be some of us who are saved and decide to walk away from the faith because we, we devote ourselves to these deceitful spirits, to these lying demons, right? So that's the second one, the world, the devil. What's the third one? The flesh. Sometimes we lie to ourselves, okay? Who is lying to yourself today? Oh, no hands. All right, I'll tell you two lies that I told myself today, already this morning. Number one, it's warm enough to wear a dress. <laughs> that was a lie. <laughs> right? Okay, lie number two that I told myself. These shoes are not going to hurt my feet. <laughs> that was a lie. Not true. Right? So we lie to ourselves all the time. So... I just thought of some ideas of how we sometimes lie to ourselves. I won't read all of them. This is like half of the things that I thought of, and I made a list. So just say, ouch, when I get to something that hurts a little, okay? <laughs> Here's a lie that I tell myself all the time. I'll remember that. I don't have to write it down. <laughs> okay, how about this? I really shouldn't eat, eat that, but I'm just going to have one bite. <laughs> one bite, one cookie, one chip, right? One chip. They tell you right in the commercial, you can't eat just one. <laughs> and that's true, but we lie to ourselves. Okay, here's another lie. I'm just going to look. I'm not going to buy anything. <laughs> this credit card is just for emergencies. Mm. Okay. Oh, how about for some single people? We can be alone together. We won't go too far. I can handle this. I can stop anytime I want to. How about this? Just five minutes. <laughs> Just five minutes. Or... I'm just going to look. I'm not going to get angry at anybody. <laughs> I'm just going to see what's going on in people's lives. I'm not going to get involved in any internet arguments. <laughs> right? Um, I'm going to get the more expensive car and pay it off early. <laughs> this is the car I'm going to keep nice. How about this one? I'm going to start... Monday, <laughs> I'm going to start tomorrow, 
This year, I'm going to do better. This month, I'm going to do better. I'm going to hold on to these size six shorts because they're probably going to fit me this summer. <laughs> That's not me. I'm just saying for somebody else, right? So there are all kinds of lies that we tell ourselves, right? So we can be deceived by the world. We can be deceived by the devil. We can be deceived by the flesh. So one of the things that we have to really acknowledge before we get started is that we are prone to deception, right? We are prone to deception. Repeat after me. I, state your name, am prone to deception. It's very easy when we start to hear a message like this to start to think about all the deception that we see in the world around us. Oh, those people are so deceived. <laughs> if only they knew the truth like I do, right? So my son told me this week that he learned in school that if you learn something new every single second, that your brain will not run out of storage for over three million years. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I learned something new. And you know what that proves? I don't know everything. Every single time you learn something new, that is proof to yourself that you do not know everything. Our knowledge is limited. Because of that, we are prone to deception. God is omniscient. We are not. And because of that, we are prone to deception. Now, now that you understand where we're starting, the three sources of lies, that we are all prone to deception, please don't go home and cry. There is hope. <laughs> there is encouragement. You have to start with acknowledging that you're prone to deception, right? Because, have you heard, half the problem is admitting that there is a problem. If you don't admit that you're prone to deception, you're not going to try to protect yourself from being deceived. You're just going to be more vulnerable to deception. But once you recognize it, then you can protect yourself from deception. And we have some really, really great defense against deception. We've got the Word of God, and we've got the Holy Spirit. Right? We have truth. But we have to open it up. <laughs> we have to look at the words. We have to read them, and we have to apply them to our hearts. So that's what we're going to start doing today, okay? So we, this is week two in our series, Misdirected, Dealing with Deception. Last week, Pastor Rich talked about misdirected faith. Remember he talked about the faulty ladders and putting our faith in all of these faulty ladders that um, are actually dangerous to us, and that we've got one ladder that we can trust, and that's God, right? We can trust him. He is a firm ladder in our lives, and he has given us his word so we can hear clearly from him. We, he's given us his Holy Spirit so that we can be empowered to understand and apply his word. That's the ladder that we can trust in. Another thing Pastor Rich said is the number one faulty ladder that we put our faith in is ourselves, right? So that's what we're talking about today, misdirected righteousness, okay? So what is righteousness? Righteousness is, has to do with being upright, 
pure, ethical, just, holy, and in right standing before God. You know, we all are born. This is like, no matter what culture you're born in, no matter what part of history you're born in, there is a, a common thread through all cultures, throughout all times, that people have standards of what it means to be a good person. We all sort of innately want to be a good person. Now, those standards can differ between different cultures. You know, some cultures, their standard of good was, if you're my enemy, I will kill you and eat you because that's what you deserve. That's justice. To them, that's good. That's right. Justice is being served, right? But we all have this sort of innate desire to want to be a good person, okay? So we have this um, goodness meter here. And this is sort of, this is how we sort of understand goodness, right? So the really good people who do really good things, they're kind to others, they're unselfish, they're sort of up near the top, right? And the really bad people who are selfish and mean, they're way down at the bottom, right? So this is how we view whether somebody's a good person. We sort of think, we sort of put them on that scale, right? So we have some people, we have another one here. We have some people that we put on this scale and we think, okay, who are some good people? So we put them near the top of the scale. Mother Teresa, if you know anything about her and the sacrificial life that she lived and the, the riches that she denied, she deserves to be way up in the green, right? And Billy Graham, we all know of him, like, wow, he's an amazing person. He's a good person. He brought a lot of people to Jesus. He should be way at the top. We all know Hitler, way at the bottom, right? So when you look at this scale, where would you put yourself? Most of us are like, uh, we sort of, well, we're not Mother Teresa, right? But we're not Hitler. So what do you think? Call out a color where you think you would put yourself. Orange. Orange. Dark orange. Light orange. Almost yellow. <laughs> so this is how we view goodness, being a good person, right? It's sort of this sliding scale. Is that what the Bible says? what it means to be a good person? Let's look at what the Bible says here. Romans 3, verses 23 and 24 say, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. And are justified by his grace. Say his grace. This is a very important thing to remember. As a gift. Say gift. His grace is a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So according to the Bible, righteousness or being a good person depends on Jesus Christ. And it's a matter of his grace. According to the word of God, all of us belong in the red. And if you read anything by Billy Graham or by Mother Teresa, do you know where they would put themselves on that scale? They would say red. And the reason why is because we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the amazing thing is, when you receive Jesus, you put faith in his grace and the work that he did, now we're in the green. We're at the top because of Jesus, not because of ourselves. So that's what the Bible says righteousness is. So we're going to look today at we're finally getting to our passage that we're going to study today, Luke 18. 
And as we're reading this, we're going to look in a mirror, okay? We're not going to look out a window. I'm not going to look in my magic mirror. Everybody's who's at home sipping your coffee. We're not going to look at the screen. Everybody else who's very deceived and don't know the truth. <laughs> we're going to look in a mirror. We're going to look at ourselves, right? So Jesus is telling this parable in Luke 8, chapter 18. It starts in verse 9, and it says, he also told this par parable. So it says he also, because he just finished talking about being persistent in prayer. Okay, then he goes on, and it says, verse 9, it says, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Why is this, why do you think this parable is in the Bible? Do you think maybe we might need to hear this? <laughs> do you think maybe some of us might trust in our own, in ourselves, in our own righteousness? And this is what Jesus is talking about. He said, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And here's the result. This is a test. When we look in the mirror and treated others with contempt. When we are trusting in our own righteousness, when we look at somebody else, we start to feel contempt because they don't know what we know because they, they voted for the other guy, right? There are all kinds of things today where we hold this up, our standard, mask or no mask, vaccine or no vaccine, social distancing or hugging. We have all of these things, right? And, and even with when it comes to scriptures, we look at somebody else and we're like, look down our nose. <laughs> I know the truth. Too bad for you. Too bad you're deceived. And we start to feel contempt, right? That's a test for yourself. Do you feel contempt at people who are on the other side of any issue? Any issue. You can be right on the issue and be wrong in your heart. And you are not justified by God right? So here's the parable. He says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. This is the good guy. This is the good guy, okay? So this is somebody who's, this is a, this is a leader in the society. This is somebody everybody looks up to. He's the good guy. And the other guy is a tax collector. And you probably have heard this before. I mean, we're not that fond of tax collectors ourselves. But back then, the tax collectors they could, they could collect whatever they want. They, they collect what you owe, and then they say, well, my wife wa wants a new car. I'm going to throw on two grand for myself to go towards that. They were allowed to do that. They could, put, they could add on for themselves and keep whatever they wanted. So do you think people were really uh, fond of tax collectors? No, I mean, they viewed them as thieves, right? So the Pharisee, when we look at what the Pharisee says, think back in... Matthew chapter 6. We're not going to turn there now, but I encourage you to look there later because Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, actually I'm going to look at verse 1. Jesus says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So if you practice your righteousness in order to impress other people, them being impressed by you is the only reward you're going to get. God does not reward that, right? 
Instead, he says over and over again, when you practice your righteousness, God who sees in secret will reward you openly. Who wants that? Who wants to be rewarded by God openly? That sounds pretty awesome, right? So there's three things he talks about in Matthew chapter 6. He says, when you pray, does Jesus expect us to pray? Yeah, but attitude matters, right? He says, when you pray, don't make a big show of it, but just go in secret and talk to your heavenly father in secret. Then you'll be rewarded openly. Then he says, and when you give, right? Does Jesus expect us to give? Yes, but he says, when you give, don't make a big show of it. Just give quietly so your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. Don't take a picture of it and put it on Facebook. Charity, look, look at this awesome tip that I just gave. Wow, I'm pretty amazing, right? Show the whole world. No, give quietly. And when your heavenly father sees you giving with the right heart attitude, he will reward you openly. And then the, the third one he talks about, he talks about praying, he talks about giving, and he talks about fasting. I'm sorry, but it's in the Bible. <laughs> and Jesus says, when you fast. And he talks again about heart attitude. He says, don't go out there looking miserable with your hair all messy, looking sad, with your face all twisted up. Oh, I'm fasting. Everybody has to know how miserable I am. He says, no, have a good attitude. Brush your hair. Wash your face. Go on about your life. Go to work, whatever. Fast before your heavenly father and he will reward you openly. So these are the three things he talks about, praying, fasting, and giving, all with the right heart attitude. Well, he's coming right back to those same three things and his same point about heart attitude because look at the Pharisee. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed. So he's doing the first thing that Jesus calls practicing righteousness. He's praying, right? He says, thus God, I thank you that I am not like other men extortioners, like this tax collector, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give tithes of all I get. Now, should he be praying? Yes. Should he be fasting? Yes. Should he be tithing? Yes. Do you know what a tithe is? The tithe is the first 10% of your income. So, you know, when I sit down, anytime we get, Dan gets a paycheck or I get a paycheck, sit down with the budget. Who uses a budget? You should. <laughs> sit down with the budget, figure out 10%. The first 10% goes in that tithing line, right? Then look at the bills and everything else, the groceries, whatever else needs to be done. Tithing is the first 10%, right? Should we be tithing? Yes, and our Heavenly Father will reward us openly. You know why sometimes we don't tithe? This is a side message. Because we don't really trust that he's going to reward us. We would rather trust in ourselves and managing our own money. No, I have to be the one that makes the money go far, than, far enough. And if I give my first 10% away, I'm not in control of that. But God says, no, trust me, and I will reward you openly, right? So we should be praying. We should be fasting. I'm not going to start on fasting. That's a topic for another day. <laughs> we should be fasting. And we do fast, you know, here as the, the elders, we fast every single Monday. If you want to join us, 
On Mondays, you know, you can, fa you can do water only, which is what most of us do, or you can, you know, fast in any way you want. Just say no sugar, no junk food, whatever. Or maybe skip, skip breakfast and lunch, then eat dinner, you know. So we should be praying, we should be fasting, and we should be giving. But then look at the tax collector. Let's see what Jesus has to say about him. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Even though he was doing all three right things, his heart attitude, he was trusting in his own righteousness. He was like, look at me. I'm praying, I'm fasting, I'm giving, I'm awesome, right? And God says, that stinks to me. God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. It's the tax collector who admits he's a sinner that goes home justified. Now, now the tax collector's in the green here. And the Pharisee trusting in himself, he's still in the red, right? For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exhausted. It, it's daylight savings time. Don't blame me. The one who humbles himself will be exalted, not exhausted. Okay, so there's a story in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel. So Samuel is a prophet, and he, he anointed Saul as king. God directed him to anoint Saul as king. Now Saul failed miserably. God tells Samuel, I have rejected Saul as king. You need to anoint a new king. So he says, all right, God tells him it's, it's a son of Jesse. He doesn't tell him the name of the new king. He just says it's a son of Jesse. So Samuel goes to Jesse's house, and he says, I am here because one of your sons is the next king. So then the oldest son comes out, Eliab, and Samuel sees him, and he's like, whoa, this dude is the king. <laughs> I can tell just by looking at him, this dude is the king. But God says no. What did God say? He says, do we have First Samuel there? But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. I'm going to tell you a hard truth this morning, as if I haven't already told you a few. <laughs> you can't see anybody else's heart. You cannot see anybody else's heart. You just see their outward behavior. God sees their heart. We need to be concerned with our own heart because that's the one we know about, right? That's the one we need to be concerned that we're walking in humility. We need to stop being so concerned with pointing the finger at everybody else and pick up a mirror. Look at ourselves for a minute, right? All right, so 1 Peter 5, 5 says, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to the humble. And there are, there are really like two meanings for grace in the New Testament. One is getting what we don't deserve, and that's the righteousness of Christ that we receive as a free gift. The other is the power of to do what we can't do in ourselves. So 
we don't we are not righteous because we do right things we do right things because we are righteous right and it's only his grace that enables us to do those right things so we have the world the flesh and the devil all telling us that we can be righteous ourselves we can be a good person ourselves right there is a there's a book called soul searching where um this this group of people said we want to see what american teenagers think about religion and spirituality so they did this they did this survey of american teenagers and they came up with this sort of group of ideals that they they named mtd moralistic therapeutic deism now you'll never see that on the outside of a church church of the mtd right you never hear anybody say i am a moralistic therapeutic deist right but you may recognize some of these um the five tenets of mtd the first one they believe that yes god exists there is a god who exists he put the world in order and he watches over human life on earth sounds good right sounds pretty true the second thing they believe is god wants people to be good and nice and fair to each other as taught in the bible and by most world religions sounds good i mean that sounds like god wants what god wants right he wants us to be good the third thing is this is where we see things starting to get a little bit more askew the central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about oneself so the thought is this well god loves me so he must want me to be happy right you love your kids you want them to be happy right but the bible says what he wants most is for us to be holy we talked about this if you haven't seen the under the light that pastor rich and i did go check that out we talked about this you know holiness really is what brings happiness right the more we seek our own happiness the more unhappy we really become so this is dangerous you know and it, it leads us to believe that we can be righteous in ourselves just by being good and kind and nice and happy right number 4 says god does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except when one when god is needed to resolve a problem so he pretty much just he created the world he stands back he lets things go if things get really bad you can call out to him he'll step forward for a second help you out and then steps back right okay fix that up a little now you're on your own again that's not true god is involved in every single detail of our lives he knows the number of hairs we have on our head he cares about the details he wants to be involved in everything not just sunday morning but every single day of the week every single problem we have every single issue that arises he wants to be involved in that he created us for a relationship with him right and then the last thing that they believe this is generally what american teenagers believe in a lot more than just teenagers i think good people go to heaven when they die but their standard of goodness is you're kind you don't hurt other people you're happy you're a good person right you ask people are you a good person well yeah i mean i'm a good person i'm not I'm not hurting anybody else i'm not you know i'm not stealing or or you know abusing anybody i'm a good person but the bible says no we're in ourselves none of us are good people and this is not to make you feel bad about yourselves the good news is he died for us because of that he paid the price because of that now we can be righteous because of that but we have to let go of our own righteousness 
We have to recognize that righteousness, doing right things, comes as a result of receiving his righteousness. And that through this whole passage, he's, Jesus is contrasting pride and humility. Pride and humility. Pride and humility. And if we have to do anything to earn grace, to earn salvation, to earn righteousness, then we have something we can be proud of, that we can pat ourselves on the back for. But when we realize that he did everything, we did everything wrong, and he paid the price, and we can participate in the, that righteousness, there is no pride in that. It's all humility. It's all gratitude. It's all just receiving that gift. Amen? So, you know, there, there was a, I just recently read a story about a woman who she loved Jesus. She loved the word of God, just not everything in it. So she, you know, was really torn because, you know, most of this, most of this I can get behind. But there's a few things that I just, I cannot submit to the Lordship of Christ. So she took the Bible, she ripped out the, those pages that said the things that she did not agree with. She burned them and flushed the ashes down the toilet. And that the, the Bible that was left, she clutched to her heart and said, this is the word that I love right? Now, it's very easy to say how awful, how horrible, how could she, and yet, do we do the same thing? Do we do the same thing when we judge other people, when we walk in pride, when we trust our own righteousness? Remember the test for righteousness that Jesus, for, um, excuse me, the test for pride that Jesus gives right here in Luke 18. He says, if you look at contempt with other people, you are the problem, right? You can be right on an issue and be wrong in your attitude. So I encourage you this week to kind of test yourself. When you encounter people that you don't agree with, when you read something that somebody posts that you know is wrong, when you are, are tempted to argue, look at your own attitude and say, am I responding with contempt or with grace? We can have the worship team come up now. Am I responding with contempt or with grace? And bring that before God in prayer. Because grace also enables us to become Christ-like. Grace enables us to have a godly attitude. Grace enables us to look at people who are in the wrong, people who are deceived or rebellious or whatever, and want to extend grace to them want to bring them to the foot of the cross. Nobody's coming to the foot of the cross because of our pride. Nobody's coming to, to the foot of the cross because we are in the right. People are coming to the foot of the cross because of grace. Grace. And I, I, don't, know if, uh, I don't know if Bernie has a song planned, but can we sing that song again, Here's My Heart, Lord? I just really want to spend some time lifting our heart before God and really just being vulnerable, being open to him and asking him, really, show me my heart. Not, not to make us feel condemned, not to put us down, but so that we can see the things that are wrong so that he can weed those out and then we can be ministers of grace. Amen? God bless.